Hashtag no shelf control version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. The version of the show where we highlight millennial authors. And each month we bring you yet another one. And this month is no different. The guest of our show today is Kevin Nye. Kevin, can you can you first off say hi? Because that would be polite. But also tell us a little bit about where you're at and maybe just a snippet of what it is you do, because I'm sure it'll lend itself to what your book's about. Sure. Uh, hi everyone. My <laughs> name is Kevin Nye. Um, I uh, I am a writer, um, and I am also a worker in uh, homelessness services in Minneapolis. I previously uh, did that work in Los Angeles for a long time, uh, but currently I am in a hotel room in Oakland, California, over Zoom, being interviewed by me. Yeah, you're married. You have a kid. Uh, do you have one child? Yes, one child. One child. He's, he's two years old, about to be three. Ooh, there's a lot. There's a lot in that age. There's just <laughs> so much. Grew up in Arizona. Uh, spoiler alert: Me and Kevin went to the same camp growing up. So, I mean, if there's a, if there's a thing that's off about us, maybe we have some common history or something like that. Um, it's definitely going to be it. <laughs> there's going to be some commonality. Uh, Kevin wrote a book. I'm going to read the title, read the subtitle. We're going to get into the book a little bit. But before we do, because we like to, I don't know, be less than serious, we're going to have some fun about judging a book by its cover. The book in question that Kevin wrote is called Grace Can Lead Us Home, A Christian Call to End Homelessness. And on the front, I guess you have basically like a maze. In the center of it, there's sort of the outline of a house, and there's this dotted line. I guess the metaphor there is someone's trying to find their home. Ultimately, is that maybe some of the inspiration behind the artwork? Yeah. And, and you know, we could talk about it when we're getting into the process, but the uh, the process of kind of arriving at a cover was a really fun and anxiety-inducing part of <laughs> making a book. As it is. Well, the reason I ask is because I want to play a quick fun game. I may only have one or two of these for you because I want to get into actually that. This this might be the first time we've ever done this where we sit with the author and talk about what it was, what it was like to actually get a book published, right? We were millennials, lots of fun stereotypes, most of them leveled against us and sort of negative connotations. So we can actually do this and we should talk about what the process looks like. But before yeah. we do that, let's play a game called Judging a Book by Its Cover because that's always a good idea. Kevin, first question. Okay. Why are you a socialist? And why do you hate America? <laughs> well, obviously, those two are the same thing. Right, um, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm deciding whether or not to give a sarcastic answer or a real one. <laughs> hey, choose, um, choose your own adventure, man. Choose your own adventure. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't consider myself a socialist, but I don't <laughs> not either. I just, I'm not... I'm not too fond of political labels personally, but like, yeah, so socialists got some good ideas because what we're doing right now isn't working. So I'm open to other possibilities. So we'll say it that way. 
this this judging uh, but, a book by its cover is maybe unfair because some of this is deeply rooted in watching you interact with other human people <laughs> on on Twitter. So yeah. mm-hmm. th- there's an extra layer here. I'm not totally being fair with just judging the book by its cover, but that seems to be something that is is always brought up in these conversations, right? Yeah. Though there's actually there's a really great quote um, that I'm gonna mess up. But it goes sort of like this. It was uh, a Brazilian priest who was really well known in, you know, liberation theology movements. Uh, he said, um, "When I when I help poor people, they call me a saint. When I ask why people are so poor, they call me a socialist." <laughs> okay, so this is a long story tradition that you're following. Uh, in in <laughs> yes, you're following this tradition to a T. I have another. Yeah. I have another fun judging a book by its cover sort of a thing. Um, if I don't want to end homelessness, why are you saying I'm not a Christian? Like that's, <laughs> I, I can imagine that being just yet another assumption straight off, off the gate, right? Like, oh, if I don't care about homeless people, I'm not a Christian. Why are you a jerk? Yeah. Uh, so I've gotten that one a little bit. Um, just fair, And you, like any Christian who cares about social justice, like gets this, right? Where people will come up to me like, I'm really glad that that's your thing. But that doesn't, <laughs> but that doesn't have to be everybody's thing, that's right? You, that's your thing. Oh. Yeah. Um, and mine is, you know, storing up hoarding wealth. You know, we all have our thing. Uh, <laughs> no, and that, but the, the, the other thing I've gotten, uh, because I, I do like sometimes have tweets that, you know, get outside of the Christian bubble. Yeah. Um, and, and when they see what my book is and about, they'll be like, why do you think that Christians are the ones that can end homelessness? And I'm like, I could see how you could get that from the subtitle of my book, but that's actually not what I'm meaning. I'm actually just, I'm sort of, I'm speaking to my people and like, please read the book if you're not a Christian, but I wrote it to like, to people that are part of this, you know, subset of, of people that I grew up with and whose whose language I speak fluently, you know. Yeah. And to piece that out, I mean you grew up in the same denomination as me, Nazarene. Uh even even got dangerously close to getting ordained in the Nazarene. I know. In the Nazarene right denomination. There. Really like real if you read the book, it's it's real close. Like how close yeah. it comes to if you think about like, you know, the multiverse, right? <laughs> the- <laughs> I'm just going to follow me here. Okay. There, you know, there's obviously like little branch Kevins all over the place. Sure. One of, one of those branch Kevins uh, took a job as a youth pastor on the Arizona church of the Nazarene district in like 2016, 2017. And like, and that's, and that was like, Real that, close. That's that, yeah. Like that's not that's not like a far branch. Yeah, and <laughs> that Kevin probably has a, a strong emphasis on bringing kids to serve at like, you know, soup kitchens or at homeless shelters. Probably right. Like that Kevin is gonna get his kids to do stuff quite a bit in that even in that multiverse version. Yeah, right. definitely. Because I'd already I'd already been you know moderately radicalized Moderate. towards well, that was, towards this stuff. But that, that was that was the last thing. Um, <laughs> This has become kind of like the question I ask most authors at some point that talk about things that we're not supposed to talk about, apparently, if we want to be good little Christian evangelicals. 
why did you stop being a Christian and become a liberal? Or maybe better yet, when? Like, when did that happen, right? Again, we're just judging books by his covers, by covers, so this is a helpful conversation, I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry, Dad, is that you? (laughs) 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 You made me joke. Uh, so, so that strikes close to home, it seems, eh? Yeah. No, my dad wouldn't say that, but I think he thinks it. I can sympathize yeah. with that sentiment deeply. <laughs> well, shoot, that was, a, that was a really short round of judging a book by its cover. I feel like we learned a lot, and we covered a lot of ground. Let's maybe, let's maybe take it a, a step further and be kind of serious. I mean, in this book, you cover quite a bit of ground. You spent a significant amount of time uh, ministering to serving populations of homeless folks or folks that are unhoused or I mean you even go into what do we what terms do we use to address this population demographic and so uh, without spoiling too much of what's in the book I want to take a step back and and talk pre-book and actually talk about what what made you want to even write a book about this? Like where these convictions came from, who you were hoping to write this for, and then, and then specifically the process. So let's start with that first little piece. When did you first start to think, you know what? I think there's a book in me. What was happening? How did that thought come about? What did you start to do about it? Yeah. So I, that, I would actually go way back. I've, I've always wanted to be a writer. Like, oh, okay. Way back when. Um, I've always enjoyed writing. I always, it's always been a dream of mine to write a book. And if you ask me in elementary school, it was probably going to be like, I was going to write like a comic strip. And then it was, I was going to write like a superhero book for kids. And then, you know, always wanted to do this. And then throughout my life, like college and seminary, I was like, oh, I'm going to write theology books one day. Or like, I'm going to write like, you know, Rob Bell type books that are like, theological but for your average person you know um and uh, and that never happened right i just kind of kept going always had like one or two book ideas in the back of my mind and uh eventually like when i um, left the ordination process started doing homeless services i was like maybe maybe this is my book but i didn't really take it seriously for the first few years because one i knew like i i don't have the experience or authority to write on this topic like because they literally just started doing it but i also kind of i always had it in the back of my mind and was kind of always just thinking about it like i would i would have an experience or, or go through something with somebody and be like oh that's this is a story that really illustrates this thing that i've learned about homelessness really well so i've sort of like filed that away um and even a couple times i would write it down um and so when, and and my wife knew about this, and so there just kind of came a time where I had been talking about it a little more, and we were kind of coming up on the new year, and my wife just said, like, Kevin, this this is the year that you have to, like, do this. And I was like, okay. Uh, and the year was 2020, hilariously. Oh. Oh. Um, we all, you know, started that one off bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like, oh this goodness. is going to be the one, guys. Uh, and then, then Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash and we're like, this is the worst thing that's going to happen this year Yeah, in February. And, and then, yeah. Um, and, and I now should we also call that, add, we call that the before times now because of, yeah. of what <laughs> the rest of that year had in yep. store. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and then I should also add my 
first child that we already talked about was uh, due and born uh, end of March, early April. He was born April 4th. So literally right at the beginning, like no one knows, no one knows what this is, but everything's shut down. We have no idea what we're supposed to be doing. All the grocery stores are empty and we have a baby. (laughs) That's, Um, That's wild. Yeah. But all of that, that change and that sort of like slowing down of life, like coupled with the everyone kind of resetting their priorities and me resetting my priorities also as a new dad, um, actually was a really like fertile ground for like what it, what I needed to kind of take the book seriously that year. Help me, help me orient myself chronologically here. You started in homeless services in LA when? Uh, 2016. You had maybe gradu- 2015, maybe 2015. You had graduated from from undergraduate, and then you went to uh, seminary in the LA-ish area, right? Yep. yep. And uh, you've been doing this work, and 2020 comes. Is this is this the pen to paper year? That's when you actually start typing out this thing, or were you already? writing rough drafts where you're already writing some stuff down what 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 did that initial very rough rough draft time frame look like yeah so 2019 is when i'm like okay i need to actually start writing something and so what i did was i started writing the stories um you know like those those few stories that i knew if i'm going to write a book this story is in it um and so i i sat down i wrote those and then I started to use those to kind of form the outline. I was like, okay, this story is about this broader topic. So that would be its own chapter. And here's another story that could go in with that. I haven't written that story yet, but I'm going to put it in my outline above the one I did write. It's just kind of like a sort of like a, a whiteboarding, but in a, in a Google document, you know? Um, and yeah, so then 2020 is the year where. I actually start looking at what would it actually take to publish this book? Like, what's the process? Do I need to like have the whole thing written? Do I, should I have none of it written? Uh, Who do I go? What doors do I figuratively knock on? What, what are the different routes available to me and which one makes the most sense for where, what I want it to be. Um, So once I started that, then I kind of got that, clear picture of what was next how did you determine that so i knew that i wanted to get traditionally published um and i don't have like a strong moral feeling about that but that was kind of me as somebody who always wanted to be a writer i wanted the experience of like being able to find my book in a bookstore you know and not just only available through amazon.com through self-publishing or like only available on my website (laughs) you know like i wanted and because i'm writing about a topic that you know i think has broad appeal like there there just still is the sense that like if it has if the book looks legit like you talk about judging a book by its cover right like yeah you people judge a book by how it looks and if it looks professional when you see a self-published book you can usually tell you can that tell it is self-published yeah you can. and 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 not always like some of them have gotten a lot better but you just you can tell that like 
corners were cut in it and, and it unfortunately affects how you perceive the credibility of the content of the book right um and so i knew like nobody knows who i am i'm i don't have any like national credibility or Name appeal. recognition yeah so i was like i i need that to help support the book so I was like, okay, so self-publishing is out. I need to go the traditional route. Did you just start making phone calls? Did you start mailing your <laughs> manuscript? Like, what, tell me the, the yeah. grind of actually getting a publisher to give you the time of day. So what I learned was if you're going to go traditional publishing, you really want an agent. Oh, okay. Um, because the agent like already has the relationships. Again, it's a credibility thing. Uh, and also the agent will get you more money than you would get on your own. And I'm, you know, I have some people pleasing tendencies and I have no idea what I should <laughs> be paid for a book. So like, and I'd just be so excited to be there that they'd be like, <laughs> Kevin, we're going to mail you like 10 bags of M&Ms for your book. And I'd be like, I'm, oh. yay, I'm so happy. Hooray. Um, so, so I was like, okay, I need to get an agent. Then I'm looking up like, how do you get an agent? And there's a billion different opinions on that so i was like okay i'm not exactly sure but i stumbled across there was a a a conference that normally was not virtual but was virtual because of covid that was for christian writers um and it you know they it wasn't exactly my like bent of christian writers but i was like it's enough of it's going to be the same right and I'm only, and you could actually, you didn't have to go to the whole thing. You could pick and choose your sessions. And one of the things they offered was you could buy 30 minutes of an agent's time. Oh, wow. Um, and pitch and pitch your book to them and get their feedback. Um, and you could also buy like a coaching session before that to like how to kind of prep yourself for pitching them. And I was like, this is great. This is yeah. great practice. Yeah. And I didn't. And I didn't walk into that conversation thinking, oh, I'm going to get this person to be my agent. But I was like, who knows? Like, that could happen. But I, and I want to prepare like I could. So I did the coaching session, prepped like my elevator pitch. And there was a whole list of things that I had to prepare, like my, my one sentence pitch, then my, my elevator pitch, which is my 30 second one, then like my target audience, my, my platform, which was is kind of a scaled down version of what you end up sending to publishers. Um, so I did that, and I got I got good feedback. I learned like so much from that experience. Um, one of the takeaways from that that I had was when it came to platform, um, this uh, this Christian book agent said, "Like how many how many followers you got? Like tell me some numbers." And I was, and I was like, I was, I knew I needed more, but I was like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I have 500 followers on Twitter and she like audibly laughed. Um, <laughs> and oh, she told me, that's cute. Yeah. And she told me you're, you're going to need to add at least one zero to that before you can even wow. get anywhere. Wow. Um, which, which is not true like hmm. as as a hard and fast rule um i ended up getting getting signed by my my agent way less than five thousand, and got a book deal even before, like right around when i was at five thousand. Hmm. um 
But what it did tell me was that I really needed to take seriously the platform piece of it. And, and it's hard to talk about this because there is a way that it can feel very disingenuous. And a lot of, a lot of like great folks that I interact with on Twitter who are authors talk about like how, how sucky this is, right. That we sort of authors have to be like the primary sellers of their book, but it happens way before the book is even ever written. Right. So you really like, you're constantly selling yourself in a way. Um, or even just the content that they'll find in the book, right? The subject matter, the topics, yes. like, yeah, like your so, philosophy on addressing homelessness in general. Yeah. So I kind of carved out my own way of doing that where I was like, this is what I feel comfortable with. This is how much time I can give to it. And then I spent way more time than that because I have an addictive personality. <laughs> but I was like, this is this is how I'm going to conduct myself in a way that I don't feel gross. Uh, and sometimes it did feel gross, and but most of the time it didn't. Um, I built community, I made friends, um, and I was really astounded by how many people on Twitter specifically, because Twitter is just the one that makes sense to me, it's what I'm good at, um, how many people wanted to talk about homelessness. And I was really refreshed by that and grateful for that. And I kind of you know, just brought my whole self to Twitter where you, you would see me tweeting about homelessness a lot, but I would also be tweeting about whatever I'm eating or <laughs> what movie I'm watching, or I'd be like making a an, an in joke for, for people like us that grew up evangelical <laughs> that only, only us would get, Nostalgia. you know, and just, yeah. And just, you know, trying to be as fully me as I could, which, and again, this is 2020. So we're all like, especially chronically online that year mm. and trying to trying to make community in weird new ways um and so i that's that's the the context in which i was i was doing this and um yeah some of it just felt a little icky but overall felt like oh this is just a a new way of connecting with people and uh, i had a lot of fun and joy doing it so building some semblance of like a an audience so to speak possibly i mean because you you're also doing what i i've been told most publishers or even agents are going to tell their authors to to dial in who is the audience in the first place yes right? like who is this book written for so you're kind of almost like doing some research and development with that mm -hmm. by just seeing who is it that cares about this stuff and who gets mad about it who gets stoked about it who wants to engage with it so walk me through I, was the agent that you had the 30 minute sesh that laughed at you for how cute it was that you only had 500 followers that didn't end up being your agent. I'm going to assume. Correct. She <laughs> did express some interest. And so, and she sent me, she's like, send me, uh, send me a, a proposal and I'll, I'll take a look at it. Uh, and then I looked at what a book proposal is. And I was like, and I was reading like your agent helps you with your book proposal. And I was like, mm. I was like, Okay, lady, like you're <laughs> like you want to make me write the book proposal when so you're supposed to, and I just I kind of was like, this is definitely not for me. Like she's 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 treating me like 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 a maybe, you know, which is yeah. fair. Yeah. But I was like, I think I can I can do better, <laughs> you know. I can get a better setup. So at some point, you find the agent that that you do the elevator pitch, the, all the things with, and, and they say, yeah, let's do this. I'm assuming. And if you don't want to tell me, it's fine. You can tell me to take a hike. I'm assuming that 
comes with a cost right out the gate that you're going to spend money to hopefully get this agent to help you get published. So yes and no. Um, and I should say that again, to talk for people who are listening, who want to be authors, like I actually, I met that agent through that community. I ended up um, connecting with an author who was putting on a writing mentorship that my my wife got me as a gift and I did like a eight or 10 week mentorship where I wrote stuff and she gave feedback and there's a small cohort of us that were interacting uh, and it was really cool. And toward the end of it, I, I submitted as my final piece for this thing, a portion of the book and, and she loved it. And she was like, I want to put you in touch with my agent. And, uh, and that's, that's how it ended up happening. Um, but with an agent, um, and I can't say how all agents do it, but typically the agent doesn't make money unless you do. So you're not paying an agent. The agent is taking a chance that you're going to make money later. Um, and so basically my agent gets a percentage of my royalties and my advance. Gotcha. So, so it didn't cost me anything up front, but that's also why agents are selective, right? Because yeah. she invested a lot of time and energy into, into me and my book before long before it ever made any money. And this is all during 2020. I mean, it, it bleeds over into 2021. I think, okay. uh, I probably got signed with the agent probably. Yeah, probably the beginning of 2021. So you have an agent and your agent, do they have just ready built relationships with uh, publishing houses or what? So, yeah, they and, and agents usually work for agencies, right? So they're not just on their own. Typically, some of them are, um, but mine was not. And so, yeah, they they and their colleagues typically pitch to all the same the same publishers and and they're all the ones you've heard of and maybe a couple you haven't um but um i mean that's that's really the difference right is that if i were to email zondervan yeah <laughs> and be like here's my book proposal it's probably not going to be read but if my agent emails zondervan it's probably it's at least going to get looked at you know um and yeah, that's you, so you're paying you're paying for access, but that's not just it. Like, um, my agent helped me like think through what the book was, who my audience was, and coming back to that whole book proposal thing, like, it's a really like long document that took a lot of time and energy to pour into and to do right. That she knew how to do it in a way that gave the publishers what they wanted to see. That if I'd have written that thing they would have just been like, no, this, there's no way this is going to be a good book or this guy has any good ideas. <laughs> so sometime after that, you, you get in touch with who ends up publishing you, Harold uh, Press, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, briefly, I, I want to know mostly the emotional gut-wrenching process of editing and rounds of editing and feeling vulnerable about your work and having some random objective person say, you wrote this poorly, rewrite it, write it better. What did that feel like? How long did all of that process take? Because at some point your agent comes through, you get a publisher. What is it like to just pour your soul into a thing to have it come back with like, actually, this, that, the other? 
So I'm going to be honest. You've actually you've you've skipped over what was the most gut wrenching part. Oh, oh, the, well, let's go yeah, back. So, which was the pitching process? Oh, so so basically, you know, we pitched the book to you know the like big ten ish publishers, um, and and then it's just a waiting, um, and 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 then and that's where you're feeling vulnerable, right? Like this is where the money. Where where like where it happens or it doesn't like the rubber are... rubber meets the road. Yes, exactly. That's what I was. My brain was trying to say and couldn't. <laughs> I'm a writer. Can't you tell? I got you. No um, and yeah, so we're just waiting to hear, and uh, and it was crazy because we heard back three days after we pitched from one of the big ones, and it was positive. Oh wow! And I was like oh my gosh, this is happening, like, and it's happening so fast. And then, but they they expressed like a little bit like, well, we have some hesitation on this, but we'll talk to the, the team about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, right off the bat, I'm going to get like one of the ones that I was, you know, would be in my, you know, top choice. Uh, and, and then it ended up, they, they came back and said, I'm sorry, we can't do it. We, we, we were really close and, just couldn't do it <laughs> oh so that's a roller coaster right uh, there three days you're like oh my yeah. goodness and then how long after that before you got more good news a long time <laughs> so it was like so, and, then, and then it was a bunch of rejections like Oof. like it was like non-stop rejections after that and like publishers like some of them put like a lot of like thought and heart into the rejection email and some of them it's just a standard like we are not interested at this time. Thank you for your submission. Yeah. You uh, suck. Please quit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and part of it too that was really uh really discouraging in a in a weird way was none of them none of them said you suck. None of them said this doesn't sound like a good book. None of them said like it's a good idea, but is Kevin really the right person to write it? Like all of them had positive things to say about the content. They all rejected it. Well, all of the ones who gave a reason for why they rejected it said, like, we just don't know if this if there's an audience for this mm. book, and that if people will buy this book. And again, the, the publishers who do take a very hefty percentage of the profits of the book, <laughs> do you take a risk that it might not be a profitable book, right? Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about writing about the topic where there's not very many books out there about it people think that's an advantage right oh yeah there's nobody who's really written a christian approach to homelessness recently in the last 30 years like of course there's a market for this book well actually it's the total opposite publishers see that and say there's no proven like path for this book to take to to making sales right sure um Whereas, like, if you if you look at books that are coming out right now, that like you're like, oh, this is this is similar to that book. This or this is, you know, taking ideas from this book and exploring them in a new way. Or this is this person's thoughts who we already know on this topic, you know, um, and those sell like crazy because yeah. there's like a, a familiarity and the publishers know going in. Oh yeah, this this is going to sell a lot because this other one did. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of what I was getting was just that, like, we're 
you know, we're just, we're not taking a chance on this one. So after a very long time, uh, yeah. someone gives you a shot. And did they tell you why? Uh, I mean, they tell you the things that you want to hear. They're like, we're really excited about this book. We, we agree with you that like people will want to read it. <laughs> like it's more of them just affirming what you've already said sure. in your, in your uh, proposal. Uh, and actually I ended up with two offers. Oh, really? Um, you got to, which you was, got to be choosy. I got to be the tiniest bit choosy. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, and was there a reason why you went with one over the other that you can share? I mean, I'm sure there's pr- plenty that needs to remain private, but yeah, I mean, uh, half of it's just gut feeling. Um, and the conversations that I had with each publisher and, you know, I asked each of them, like, what, what do you see in this book that you like? What do you, how do you see you guys marketing it or, you know, and, and they, they both had great answers and they made it a tough choice. Um, the, honestly, the thing that it really came down to was um, they both wanted it due around the same time. Harold, who I did publish with, said they wanted it in March uh, 2022. And the other publisher said they wanted it in April of 2022. So basically the same deadline, but Harold wanted to publish it in the fall of 2022. And the other one didn't want to publish it until spring of 2023. Hmm. Um, And most books either release in spring or fall. So those are your two like main windows. And I thought to myself, two things one harold mentioned they wanted to try to get the book out before midterms and i thought that was a great idea um because then, I mean, the book has plenty of actionable recommendations right so that, yes exactly that yeah and people are more likely to read books on like social issues around election time right mm-hmm. um and then and then i also just thought like man if i'm done writing this book in april it would kill me to wait a year for it to come out oh <laughs> like sure. i'd just be sitting there like when is this thing coming out because it already felt like forever waiting six months wow. um and obviously there was editing and stuff during that time but there was a period of you know three to four months where the book was pretty much finalized and i was just waiting <laughs> man i've always heard that the editing well i guess it's a personality driven thing right like you might feel more vulnerable once you actually have your work being kind of nitpicked and having an editor go through it, but I could see why the pitch itself is it, some. So there's some self worth questions wrapped up into the whole thing, right? Like, is this a real idea? Is this viable? Is someone going to take a risk on me? Uh, yeah, because yeah, because it's both. Like, there's a part of you that's like, oh, these publishers are such idiots. They don't know what they've got, you know. And that and but but extremely equally and much more likely, <laughs> the voice in you is like. Kevin, they're publishers. They know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They just don't want your book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and brutal, that's like, brutal uh, to confront, right? Yeah. Well, and thinking like, what if I put all this work in and, and no one wants it? Ugh. You know, like, then what do I do? Like, because like, there's a part of me that said like, it would break my heart and I wouldn't even consider self-publishing i would just not write the book Ugh. and like i and i couldn't even i didn't even want to go down that route you know yeah um or or even have to think about that but there were plenty of times where i i did have to confront that 
Well, gosh, there's there's so many other things I want to cover, but we're we're running low on time. So can you can you go over and I'm gonna sprinkle some stuff into what's actually in the book. You got chapters in here, and I know a lot of them are anchored in actual stories and experiences you've had, but then it touches on, you know, like actual actionable things, stuff, you know, Jesus and, and the Bible actually says, et cetera, et cetera. You got these chapters on seeing and being seen. You got a chapter called housing. You got a chapter called mental health. You got a chapter called substance use and overdose. Um, at some point, you know, all of this is finalized and it's about to be published. Uh, quickly, as, as quickly as, as you can, because I don't want to, we're, we're running short on time. What is it like once it's actually published? Are you just running a rat race to promote this everywhere you can? Do you have to book uh, speaking engagements? Are you traveling around the country? Like, what did your publisher make you do once it's actually out there so that they could assure their investment in you actually pays them back? You know, I I hear very rarely from my publisher now. Oh, really? And that, and it's and not in like a negative way, like oh, they're not reaching out or connecting. But I I mean the the thing with all of this, whether it's my agent or me or the publisher, like we all we all do well if we're all doing well. You know, yeah. like it's very like if it sells zero books, I'm just as at a loss as the publisher is as my agent is like we all have a mutually beneficial uh commitment to you're all invested book out there so like so they don't have to motivate me to want to talk about this book like i i spend all this time writing it and and really i've i've just i've tried to do a mix of you know letting the opportunities come to me and also making some happen so for example like i I booked a trip to Portland because I, you know, I have friends out there. I knew I could book a couple events and I did it and I, lo- I lost so much money. <laughs> like, like uh, and, and, but also it was a vacation and I saw my friends, but like, you know, one, one church paid me a couple hundred bucks to talk and I sold like 25 books, you know, but like a plane and a, yeah, they didn't pay and, for the and trip. a hotel stay, like didn't even come close. Right. Um, and I've actually, I've ended up booking myself through most of like March and April to all these different places. And it's like completely 50, 50 of like folks that are actually like paying me enough that, you know, I'm covering the cost or they're paying the cost of bringing me out. Um, or I'm at least like breaking even. Mm-hmm. and and events that again i just kind of like picked a city that i knew some people i could land some stuff and i was like i'm gonna take the hit on this one because in a way like if i'm getting a bunch of people to read the book because that's ultimately what it's about right is yeah. people reading the book not selling the book those two yeah. things are connected but they're not the same sure um like i am i've already invested so much like i'm willing to invest some more of my money if i have it and getting the book into more hands and in front of more people because i i believe in what's in it you know so what's a typical um, month been looking like for your traveling to to you know talk about it get people reading it promoting it what does that look like for you uh i mean it was there it's pretty sporadic so there is no typical month like so right now we're in march i'm in oakland right now but this is kind of for this conference that i'm here for but while i'm here i also hooked up with the church this is one of those where I'm going to lose some money. <laughs> Just to be clear, <laughs> but uh, 
but I'm getting to like talk at this conference um, that's a homelessness conference that's not faith-based. Um, and so that's really exciting and, and cool. And, um, and I get to talk at this church. And so then I'm back home for the next couple weeks. And then um, a group in Wisconsin is bringing me out for a weekend to um, lead a workshop on a Saturday on, on homelessness. Um, and then at the end of the month, I'm going to Nashville. That's another lose money one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Where I was just like, I just, I really want to go to Nashville, um, and do some stuff. Cause I know so many like, you know, faith folks out there doing really cool stuff. Um, and then, and then I'm coming to Arizona, oh. uh, to, to hang out with my parents and, uh, for vacation. But while I'm there, I was like, I'm Let's see if I can speak at a church. So that one, that one, I'm like, I'm losing money, but I was going there anyway. Yeah. So it's actually just kind of a wash. I mean, uh, so it's just, it's a wild thing, whatever. Like I, I'm, 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 I'm blessed and, and grateful to be able to, uh, to do this. And, and every time I do it, people are getting a hold of the book that wouldn't have known about it otherwise. And, and that's it, you know? Well, I, I hear a couple of things that I want to note, um, just the authentic conviction of, you know, caring about, talking about, advocating for addressing homelessness just in general, yeah. right? Like that's the root of why you wrote the book that I, I can hear that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get to a question here in a second that is touching okay. on. You didn't do it to get rich, uh, right? Um, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, continuing the conversation because there is there is an actual subject that this is addressing, right? It's, it's plain to see that this is, this is a passion that you're going to continue to pursue. So I've, I have two questions to kind of wrap this up with. Um, and you can, I don't know, you can answer either one first. That's fine. One, did you get rich? And how much do you want to tell us about that? Two, um, if you had it to do all over again, I mean, it's, it sounds like it was about two years of a lot of hard work. Um, are you happy with it? I mean, it, has this been a fulfilling, meaningful uh, endeavor that you you're you, you know you're, you're stoked about, or or are there some things you would tweak? So answer either one. Go for it. <laughs> I'll answer all of it. Um, yeah, no, I did not get rich. Um, so, and again, every publisher is a little different. My publisher pays royalties to authors once a year oh, in wow. March. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's right now. Um, so I, I've, I've not received a check for the book, oh my um, other, other than my advance was, I did receive an advance. Um, uh, my agent got a portion. I used another good chunk of it to pay one of my friends who's really good at editing and who really knows me and also worked at the place that I worked in California. So he knows the work. Mm -hmm. um so i was like dude you have to be like my pre-editor editor, editor <laughs> on mm -hmm. this thing um and i paid him for that uh and i bought a computer so that i could type it well so um so really i've i've not made money on this book yet um and when the check comes sometime this month i don't know what's on it like it could be it could be zero uh, because the thing with an advance is you do have to you have to pay that back first before Ooh. you get profit. Ooh. So my so if I've made five thousand on the book, which is what my advance was, I've I've 
I already got that. So that's taken out. Oh, uh, so this, so the check that I get in March could be zero or uh. it could be, it could be a bunch. I just, I have no idea what to expect because, uh. you know, there's, there's not really a really easy way to know how many books you've sold because, you know, Amazon might order like 20 boxes, but if they don't sell, they're allowed to send them back. Oh. Um, same with Barnes and No and like distributors and and depending on where you buy it from, I make a different amount because of what the seller takes, yeah. you know. So there's just there's no way of knowing really until the check comes. That's crazy. And and so like I'll I'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in a few weeks if I suddenly get uh rich off of this, you'll never see me again. Sure. You'll never uh, I'll be in the bottom of the moon or something. Or something. Yeah. Uh, but no and and so yeah that's kind of one of the funny things is when you know when i get some haters on twitter because i'm posting about like christians like being greedy landlords and making a bunch of money people are like well, why don't you give away your book for free <laughs> like, like trust me i'm not making money yeah, off of been, this thing like you've been funding all of the promo yourself up to this point right yeah pretty much i mean uh, my publisher does a bunch of things that, that I don't have access to, like running ads and like Christian magazines. And, and they've gotten me some great opportunities to talk that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise, but it's, it's been mostly, mostly me hustling for it and buying uh, plane tickets with your debit buying card. Buying plane tickets. Yep, yeah, exactly. No, my credit card. I don't got that in the debit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at uh, the end but, of the day, but, I mean, yeah. was it, was it all worth it? Are you happy with what you got? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. I, uh, yeah, obviously you can look back and analyze. I would have done this a little bit differently, or I wish this would have gone a slightly different way, or, you know, I could have pulled, pulled on this connection versus that one, you know, you could do all that, but I'm so happy with the book. I'm so happy with, um, the way people are responding to it, the opportunities I've gotten to speak since it came out um yeah i'm just i'm completely thrilled well in closing i want to read a couple things that others are saying about the book and remind folks uh what it's called the the link to the book will be in the description you can purchase it and help make his uh once a year check slightly bigger while also supporting this <laughs> podcast uh one one author said grace can lead us home is a book about love compassion and the value of humanity that's heather thompson day um, another author who we're actually going to have on the show, hopefully in the next couple months, Zach Hunt, said, if your heart breaks every time you walk by someone sleeping on the sidewalk, but you don't know how to be Christ to them, this book's for you. And this book is called Grace Can Lead Us Home, A Christian Call to End Homelessness. And we just wrapped up a conversation with its author, Kevin Nye, and we focused on a unique thread on what it looks like to even get books published. Uh, it's one thing to be passionate and convicted to talk about a thing. It's another to actually make it a reality. So Kevin, thank you so much for giving us the time and answering a whole host of questions about what it's like to publish a book. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking me stuff I don't normally get asked. It was fun. Absolutely. This has been the hashtag no shelf control version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. And I'm your once a month host, promoting and platforming millennial authors. My name's Josiah. Join us on the next episode.